Crimson Sky Media. Hello and welcome back to Crimson Sky Media. This is your host, Kenny. And we're back with our, um, I believe, 12th episode of Crimson Sky Media Podcast. So thanks again for tuning in. I'm very happy to return back to you today. It is Sunday, May the 10th. And I am recording at 11.06 p.m. starting time. So you'll probably hear this. I would say I'm going to post this Monday. Um, I don't put a lot of editing into my podcast. So I appreciate that you are so humble as to just listen to a lone gamer's opinion about various things. So thank you so much for listening. Um, Just as a preface, um, I have definitely had a decent amount of alcohol tonight just to, I guess you could say, um, just loosen the lips, right, of the discussion. So I appreciate again you tuning in. And this is again Kenny with Crimson Sky Media. So we're going to start off with um, just what we've normally been doing, which is what I've been playing. Uh, and, and it's actually been quite a few really good games. So I'm going to go ahead and pop that up here. And one of the games that I have been playing that I did want to talk about, I recently finished, was Catherine. So if you're unfamiliar with Atlas, Atlas is a Japanese developer and they develop very good games. I would say probably among the best out of that region. And one of the games that they have finished was Catherine. Now Catherine released in the seventh generation of consoles, which is, if you're familiar, the PS3 and 360 and Wii. Uh, so the title Catherine had released only on PS3 and 360 until very recently, I would say about maybe six months ago. Uh, they re-released it on PC, the original version. They did do an updated version called Catherine Full Body. But the version that was ported to PC was just Catherine Classic as they updated it on PC. Now, Catherine Classic is a very fantastic game, Catherine in general, right? I have not played Full Body, so keep that in mind. But Catherine Classic is essentially a very out of the way story I, I guess you could say it's not something that you would anticipate that you would see, that you would see often um, uh, it's, it's a very out of the ordinary game and it's essentially about a guy in his early 30s that is with a woman that he's been with for maybe three or four years and he is ready to marry or at least he supposes so but a woman appears that's very younger and very attractive, right? And she starts to seduce him in very odd ways. Uh, and this provokes a week-long venture or so of an affair that he has with this woman. And it's uh, very provocative and very humorous in a lot of ways. Uh, he meets with his friends at the bar every night to discuss kind of what's going on and through the game you sort of experience a lot of metaphors but the game outright tells you uh, as it starts out with a sort of narrator that describes what the game is about and ends with that same narrator um, that talks to you the audience the uh, the gamer about what's going on so a lot of metaphors a lot of really deep analogies into just love and, and life and relationships it's a fairly powerful metaphor, I would say, and it's a very good game. 
Um, the soundtracks, obviously, as Atlas continues to deliver that um, exceptionally, are out of this world. So I would definitely recommend playing that game. I really am hesitant to kind of go into it, but I recently finished it, and I would say that anybody who cares about good stories and games should probably give Catherine a try at the very least. I think on PC it's only $20, so you're probably doing yourself a disservice by not playing it. Um, so that's one of the games that I have been playing. It's a very characteristic and personable game. I would say you should probably play it <laughs> if you have a PC. Uh, but other than that, I haven't really been playing too much. I did recently upgrade my PC, which is great news. And I did buy a new desk and I'm slowly building the um, podcast sort of scenario, right? I'm trying to build some of that sound. <sighs> to be more optimal for people that are listening, but generally speaking, um, it's a step-by-step -step process. So it does take a little bit of time, and I did buy a new PC, PC as well as a new desk. So um, this will eventually, you'll see come in time, a better sound on your end, but it has been a great experience with that game, specifically. Um, other than that, I have been playing a couple other games. I have been playing Red Dead Redemption 2, of course, uh, which I do, did want to talk about, and we will get into. Um, but other than that, I have gotten Resident Evil 3 as a product of the new GPU I have gotten, which is part of the reason why I kind of brought up getting a new PC, is that it did come with a couple of bells and whistles. Uh, one of which being Resident Evil 3, the other was a DLC expansion for Monster Hunter, which I do own, but uh, I haven't really touched at all. A lot of people have told me that it's very similar to Shadow of the Colossus, which is one of my, if, you, if you've been listening to my podcast, it's one of my favorite games of all time. I think that, critically speaking, it's probably the best video game that's ever been made. And I know that that's obviously a very bold claim, but it's very true in regards of the, again, critical perspective that I have on video games. So if you have a PlayStation console, um, specifically PlayStation 3 or 4, you are absolutely doing yourself a disservice by not playing that game. Um, it shows exactly what you can do uh, with games that you can't do in any other medium. And to me, that des that describes a good art product, right? So if you're looking at a painting by Picasso, Picasso, excuse me, or you're watching a movie by Scorsese or um, Francis Ford Coppola, right? Or something that where you can tell this is something that you cannot experience in another medium. You can't make a video game of Apocalypse Now. You can't make an artist's rendition of a Picasso painting. And Shadow of the Colossus is one of the few experiences that you could have in video games that you can't quite have in any other medium. And that, to me, describes what is a good game. It's something that defines what the medium is capable of. Uh, so that's what I would definitely recommend people play if they have a PlayStation console, which is, again, a shame that we do have to um, resort to that type of exclusivity. Uh, but that's just simply the matter at hand. So other than that, not really too much. Um, my wife and I have been playing a lot of Resident Evil 5, which is very good. It's a very co-op-centric game, and I've been kind of looking more towards 
what is available in terms of co-op that you can play um, because we've just essentially been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption which is great but the content typically runs dry especially with a lot of the quarantine that's been going on a lot of developers have been a little bit slower in regards of releasing content so it's a little bit harder to maintain a consistent um, I guess you could say track record <laughs> in, in regards to content so um, that's what I've been playing again the two highlights that I'd like to recommend is definitely Catherine um, which if you have a PC or a PlayStation console past the PlayStation 3 you need to play that game um, it's very very good and it is uh, I would say equally charming as it is fairly provocative but in regards of news, let's go ahead and jump straight into it. I am very happy that you guys tuned in because we have quite a bit of news that's been propping up lately. Um, so let's go ahead and we'll, we'll just start from the top. Uh, first off, this is going to start a little bit small with the Xbox Game Pass introducing Red Dead Redemption 2. As well as DayZ and Final Fantasy um, 9. Uh, which is, again... I haven't played Final Fantasy IX, but Red Dead Redemption 2 is a very good game, as well as Daisy is really the start Daisy of the, um, I guess you could say, Fortnite-style battle royale. Uh, essentially, what happened was a, a very experimentative sort of procedure where a lot of indie developers and modders were taking hold of the opportunity to create a sort of arena-styled game. Where what you would do is you would be in a giant map with a variety of other players and resources and whoever was the last man standing would essentially win quote unquote that game uh, and then it started to get a little bit more watered down a little bit more mainstream which is not necessarily a bad thing uh, apex legends fortnite uh, player unknowns battlegrounds they all started essentially adopting that mechanic that meta of gameplay that essentially blew up in the gaming scene and sort of transcended gaming in a lot of ways. It really started hitting pop culture in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, I'm sure that anybody who's not even familiar with games has probably heard of Fortnite. And the reason why is because it's extremely successful and because of a very simple concept. Uh, now I do think that Battle Royale is something of a dying breed it will essentially go away as time moves on. But with that being said, it's still thriving pretty well. And uh, I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. The impact that it's had in gaming has clearly uh, diminished to a, to a good degree. But it's not something that would essentially destroy that game's legacy. So the next news article is Cyberpunk 2077, uh, which is, if you've been listening to this podcast, a game that I'm very excited about. It's, it's essentially what I would describe as a first-person sort of, well, cyberpunk RPG. And all it is is a very dense city. It, the map size itself is actually quite small, and the reason why is they try to focus a little bit more on density, like what fulfills the area of the map, than the size of the map itself. So a lot of games that you play, you'll probably see a lot of buildings and things that you can't actually enter or interact with. 
Um, they're just there to essentially increase the size of the map to make it more believable as a city. Uh, so if you play like GTA 5 with the Los Angeles, it's a lot of buildings that you can't actually enter and then a very few amount you can interact with. Cyberpunk is trying to essentially go in the other direction where it's a little bit smaller of a map, but you're able to interact with each building that's visible to you. So that's a good thing. Um, what a lot of people don't understand is that it's, it's essentially less of an illusion that's more appealing to gamers. So if you have a, a game map that's a little bit, bit bigger, but with less content, people will get bored faster. But if you have a smaller map that creates the idea that there's more content there and fulfills it with more quests and side quests, uh, you'll find that people generally find it more favorable. It's easier to remember. Uh, there's a lot more stuff to do. The retention of players is higher. Uh, and it's definitely a lot more positive of a reaction. So I think that that's what Cyberpunk is aiming for with CD Projekt Red at the helm. I'm very excited to see kind of how that goes along. So it's definitely one of the news articles I've been paying attention to. It was rated mature by the ESRB. So uh, one of the things that um, players have been focusing on is that you can actually um, adjust and mess with the genitals of your character in, in Cyberpunk 2077. And so what they're going for here, which it sounds really bizarre, but what they're going for here is a very, very adult, open sort of game, right? Because it's a Cyberpunk setting. It's a near future sort of setting, or I guess you could say far future, either or. Um, and what they want to do is create the idea that in the future that ethics sort of slowly fade away and corporate sort of interests exceed in regards of what people purchase and what is popular. So if you can imagine a reality where people can alter and improve uh, all parts of their body with mechanics and technology, you would probably imagine that unfortunately a lot of people would go towards improving right like the genitalia or something and so that's something that's available apparently available in the game uh, as rated by the ESRB so that's something that's very interesting to see I think that just as as an artistic take on a future sort of setting I'm really excited to see what that game does because it's so weird a lot of the different things that it's doing and um, I'm really excited because it's a more of a 80s sort of take on cyberpunk and uh, you know you don't get that too often usually what you get for cyberpunk is just shaved heads and machine guns you don't get much else but i think that cyberpunk 2077 is really embodying that initial idea that propped up in the early 80s of what a future could be like um, but other than that the next news article is Call of Duty Modern Warfare's file size. So, I'm taking a sip of this wine, which by the way, if you're listening and you do happen to be of legal drinking age, and if you're not, I suppose I don't blame you, but I'm drinking a Pinot Noir, which is essentially a very sweet sort of wine, and it's uh, called Dreaming Tree. 
which is actually manufactured by the Dave Matthews Band uh, singer. So if you, if you didn't know, Dave Matthews was a part of a band called, of course, Dave Matthews Band. And they did quite a bit of music um, some time ago. It's not, I'm not really a big fan of Dave Matthews. But I would say that typically uh, what I see is that a lot of musicians or movie directors or producers typically fall back in their later years into manufacturing and uh, producing wine, which is interesting. Uh, now that may be a part of like the pseudo intellect that comes in their later years, right? They look back on their career and they think that they're very high and mighty, so to speak, but also it's a very good wine. In fact, surprisingly, I would say it's one of my favorites that I've had so far is Dreaming Tree uh, by Dave Matthews. So if you're of drinking age and you can drink wine, you don't find it repulsive, which a lot of people do, that's fine. Pick up Dreaming Tree. It's absolutely delicious. So back to the point with Call of Duty Modern Warfare's file size, it's getting a little bit crazy. Okay, so now I think that the the file size for Modern Warfare is I think about 120 gigabytes, give or take, which is a little bit absurd. Um, now a lot of people sort of take this very straightforward, which is essentially, okay, well the game is clearly a lot more higher in fidelity, the graphics demand more, and so the file size needs to be larger because it's compensating for all of the immense sort of improvements that we've made graphically in games. Uh, over time, right? So that's actually false. Um, I mean, it's true, but it, it's mostly false. And, and I'll explain to you why. Um, most games are actually not as demanding as you would think they are in terms of file size. A lot of games are just usually the developer or um, whoever's, I guess, coding it, not compressing the files. Now, um, a lot of people have speculated this is a result of the much more frequent updates to graphics cards and hardware. Uh, because of hardware essentially re releasing a lot more quickly, uh, developers feel that there's less of a need to optimize for a specific type of generation of hardware because it just comes out so fast. And so what they do is they don't compress any of the files and what happens is we end up with games that are 120 gigabytes. Um, so that is a little bit lazy. Uh, I just installed Mass Effect 3 because I am replaying through the Mass Effect trilogy and I'll touch on that in a moment. Uh, but essentially it was all 10 gigabytes for I think the whole game and all of the DLCs. It was specifically 9.95 gigabytes, but I mean, that's a fairly small file size uh, compared to what you're getting with games like Modern Warfare which is I have just the um, multiplayer installed and it's at least 90 gigabytes, which is absurd. Uh, and the reason that this is a problem is because the further we go into gaming, war games are actually quite a little bit more demanding. Uh, if you don't compress those files, you'll find that people are just simply not buying your game or if they are buying it, then it's simply not playing it because the file size is too demanding. And most people have around a terabyte of data available on their hard drive. And a lot of that is already allocated to Windows itself, which is the operating system, as well as Steam, Origin, Ubisoft, GOG, all of these different programs that they need to run their games on. 
Uh, so when you release a game that's 120 gigabytes, the problem with that is that people are gonna basically weigh their options, right? Or if Modern Warfare is the only game that they're playing, they may continue to have it installed, but typically what people will do is they'll look, okay, well, I need to buy this new game that I'm interested in, at least trying, and I don't have enough space. So Mono Warfare is 120 gigabytes, I only have to install that. Instead of uninstalling 10 different things, I'm just gonna uninstall Mono Warfare and never get back around to playing it again. Um, so it's bad on the developer, it's bad on the consumer, and overall it's a problem that the gaming industry is having issues with. This originally, I think, really started to catch my attention with Titanfall, which came out, I think, back in 2013, 14. And what essentially they did was, again, not compress their files. And it was the first game that I saw that was around 60 gigabytes. And it really blew my mind that the vanilla original release of a game could be 60 gigabytes. It just, again, completely took me off guard. So. With Modern Warfare, among many other games, taking this trend where they just don't compress their files, um, in a lot of ways, I think that the producers, or sorry, publishers, think it looks good because it makes the game look bigger, and bigger typically looks better to a lot of consumers. Um, it It's not good because it, it withholds player retention as well as damages uh, people's interest in the game. So. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is the kind of epitome of that and it's drawing a lot of interest so it's positive in the way that I think people are noticing it more and hopefully developers and publishers start to take a little bit more of a notice and reduce and compress their files a little bit better uh, but regardless it is an ongoing issue so let's hope that that kind of goes away over time um, so the second I guess part of that is Halo 2 Anniversary uh, is arriving on PC as an update to Master Chief Collection relatively soon. I'm very excited about that. Uh, so basically, if you don't know, Halo 2 came out in 2004 as a part of the Halo uh, franchise and is a very big deal for me. Um, I think it's a very big deal for a lot of people. A lot of people purchase Master Chief Collection uh, just so that they can play Halo 3 or Halo 2. Uh, and so when, when they originally launched it and it was just Halo Reach and then they added Halo Mas Master Chief Collection's uh, Combat Evolved Anniversary, which was the first Halo. I loved Camp Combat Evolved Anniversary. I think it's obviously any Bungie Halo that I'm a huge fan of. But the issue is that not a lot of people are playing Combat Evolved because it's a very arena type game. And I think that Halo in general as a franchise takes a lot in terms of inspiration from arena type games like Quake and Unreal Tournament, but Halo 1 especially. And the issue with that is that a lot of mainstream gamers that grew up with Halo usually jumped into the mix with Halo 2 or 3. And Halo 2 and 3 are very, um, I would say, contemporary games. They aged rather well. Uh, a lot of people would probably disagree with that, you know, because of loot boxes and sprint and things like that. Uh, but generally speaking, I think the gunplay ages extremely well, and a lot of people grew up playing those specific games. So with Halo 1 and Halo Reach uh, being, especially with Halo Reach, kind of it came after Halo's sort of fall from grace, I would say. Uh, it's not something that a lot of people played all the time, so Master Chief Collection is experiencing 
what you would call a um, hiatus of active players. A lot of people are moving on to play Modern Warfare's Warzone or uh, Apex Legends or Overwatch, and they're kind of holding out on Halo until the future titles come out. And those future titles that everyone's expecting, that they're very excited to play, are Halo 2 and 3. Um, that's not just Reddit. That's uh, basically every forum that you find in regards of Halo. People are waiting for those two big ones to come out. So I'm not going to lie. I'm a huge fan of Halo 3. It's actually my favorite Halo. Uh, but it's not something that I would say would prevent me from playing Reach or Combat Evolved. In fact, I, I launch it quite often. The issue, though, is that because the wait time is so long, because so little people are playing that specific game like Combat Evolved, um, it is it is kind of uninviting, right? Like you want to play a game where you don't have to wait seven minutes before you get into a game. Uh, and if that's the case, then Halo probably isn't your case then because a lot of people, again, have moved on to more contemporary titles. Um, but the next news story that I wanted to talk about was The Last of Us Part Two. Um, Now, The Last of Us is a little bit of a controversial sort of subject, especially now, for a lot of reasons. Um, but we'll focus on the ones that are most popular. So, the first uh, topic of discussion is The Last of Us Part 2 being an unnecessary sort of game. So what that means is that a lot of people didn't want Mouse of Us Part 2 because it felt that everything was sort of begun and ended with the original Last of Us that released in 2012. I would agree with that. I think that with in terms of narrative, uh, it's, it's really kind of cut and dry, The Last of Us. The story was begun and ended quite adept with the original Last of Us that came out on the PS3. Now, The Last of Us Part Two was essentially a product of consumer demand. A lot of people were requesting that they got a sequel to the story, and that because it was so good and so well received, uh, both financially and critically, that they got some sort of continuation of that universe. Now, I would totally agree that that universe is something that's very interesting, and expanding it would be a good deal, uh, because what the the benefit of The Last of Us was, in terms of the consumer, was that you got to see a lot of the interactions between people uh, during a sort of crisis, a post-apocalyptic crisis. It wasn't even the zombies, it was the people interacting with each other that had a huge impact on the way that people perceived the game. So, with that being said, a lot of the interaction between Joel and Ellie, which are the two main protagonists of Last of Us, was hitting home with a lot of audiences that were playing the game at that time. Uh, and what you'll notice if you've played the game, which if you haven't, I would highly recommend it. Despite the sort of pessimism I have towards the sequel, I would still recommend everybody play who has a PlayStation console, um, Last of Us. That the initial sort of reaction you have upon beating the game was that okay it's it's done and resolved in terms of narrative perspective and the rest is left up to the player's imagination which is a good thing with a story with a narrative 
you don't want to resolve everything in terms of the character. The story itself, which is the over arc that you put upon the characters, you, you do want to have some sort of resolution, obviously, right? There's a, a first, second, and third act that you put into place, and that's just basic story structure. Uh, with Last of Us, we got all three of those um, with a little bit of ambiguity to allow the audience to sort of perceive what would happen next, and that's a good thing. That's what you want. Uh, that's essentially being erased with The Last of Us Part Two, And the reason that that's a problem is that everything that you could have anticipated to happen is wrong, and art being perceived by the audience is immediately negated because the artist themselves is saying, no, this is exactly what happens for the rest of those characters' stories, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Now, that's typically fine, um, but with Last of Us being one of the most perfect endings that I have seen in gaming, uh, it's a problem because it just simply slaps the face of all of the audiences that they had, and the reason why it's so detrimental to me uh, as somebody who enjoyed The Last of Us exponentially was that they had ideas for other games. In fact, they quite very well comp contemplated uh, ideas of a sci-fi game, a western game, all these different ideas, but because so many people were asking for a part two of The Last of Us, they essentially caved and went forward with continuing that story with the same characters. Uh, if it were different characters, it would be a different story, uh, literally and <laughs> personally to me. I think that it would be a better option for them to, if they were to continue that universe, perhaps choosing different characters to proceed with. Uh, but nobody wants to see an older Ellie. Nobody wants to see what happens to Joel. No one wants to see any of that. They got the resolution they needed for the story that was the problems that were presented with The Last of Us. And with the ending of The Last of Us, again, I'm very being very ambiguous about the spoilers. Uh, it was essentially resolved uh, and the things that weren't resolved were intentional to provide again ambiguity a sense of gray in the story to keep people thinking and that was again a part of the metaphor that was provided in The Last of Us which is a very gray world uh, the main character Joel is a very gray character Right? He's a good guy, but he does bad things to achieve good outcomes for the people he cares about. Uh, so I think that a lot of us um, as players can empathize with that. Because there are very selfish things that we do in life, but we do it because of the people we care about. It, it goes back to the very basic philosophy that you learn in like college or high school. right? Which is essentially the same question you've heard a million times over. There's a train and there's two tracks and one track has one person that you know and one track has five people that you don't know. Which track are you going to divert the train to, right? It's the same idea <laughs> that's perpetuated throughout The Last of Us. Um, and I think that that's all we needed to know. But essentially what Last of Us 2 is doing is going, 
well, we're going to actually put the train in this direction, and here's why the characters chose that. And it's like, well, that's great, but the whole reason that we play games and that we experience art in general is to empathize with it. And if you're choosing those decisions for us, then it's not really empathy, is it? No, it's just we're telling you what happens with these characters, and you're just going to have to deal with it. So, again, obviously the game hasn't come out. In fact, the good thing is, is that it's not going to be too long before we actually see that game. It's going to be June 19th of 2020. So, it's not going to be too long. It's gone gold. It's coming out very soon, and I'm excited for it. If it was coming out for PC, I think I'd be more excited for it. But as it stands, it is a PS4 exclusive. So again, if you haven't played any of those games, I'd recommend playing The Last of Us and then you can decide if you really want to see more of the story or not. I personally think that the game ended on a perfect note and you'd be doing a very good job not playing the sequel. But again, if you do decide that this is something that you feel that from the creator you do need to see more of, by all means do so. I know myself personally, I'm going to probably play the game down the road. <laughs> There's a lot of games in my backlog, but um, I just don't see myself really being hyped about it. A lot of people are really excited about it. I don't think it's something that I'm really too stoked about because uh, I see a lot of narrative value in games. I know that some people really enjoy games from just the pure gameplay perspective. I think Last of Us does offer some somewhat unique gameplay so um, it's there uh, I just don't see why they didn't do a sequel so that's happening again June 19th other than that the last bit of news that I wanted to touch on was Valve essentially uh, releasing all of the Half-Life soundtracks uh, including Half-Life Alex, on Spotify so if you're a uh, Spotify user and you're a fan of soundtracks, I would recommend highly that you play um, some of the Half-Life soundtracks on Spotify. Now, this is something that's very unique and very independent. So if you're not really a big fan of, I would say sort of, I wouldn't say house music, but uh, it's very relaxed, sort of chill, sort of, um, God, how do you, even put Half-Life into a category. Um, it's, it's a very unique sort of sound. I would recommend just playing it uh, and seeing if that's something that's your cup of tea. Uh, specifically, I would start out with Half-Life Alex, which is a weird starting point considering it's the latest Half-Life. Uh, but I think because it's the most realized soundtrack, if you play that soundtrack and you like it, you'll probably like Half-Life 2 or episode one or two or anything else that they had put into that or any of the other Valve soundtracks in general. Uh, they're all very similar in terms of the approach that they take with tone. Um, but Half-Life Alex is a very good soundtrack. I did beat that game on VR and I'd say it's a very good game. Um, but the soundtrack is something that really stands out. It's sort of like Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, right? Um, if you've ever watched television, which if you haven't, I'd recommend starting out with those two. <laughs> or even if you haven't watched too much television, or if you have, uh, still watch those two in general, because they're perfect television shows. Uh, they use music fairly sparingly, and they use it when it's right. 
Uh, and it's hard as a producer of a show to decide when using a music cue or track is the right time to use it. Well, Half-Life has essentially identified with the idea that it's perfect to use it when it's right to use it. Um, so if you happen to play that soundtrack, I would say that you'd probably like it quite a bit. It's sort of like homework music where you can just sort of play it in the background. Of course, if you have played the game, I would say that it's, it's fairly complimentary to the gameplay that's being provided because they don't want the music to be the focus. They want the experience that the player is having to be the focus. Um, you could argue that, of course, music is a complement to that, and I would agree. Of course, with VR, it's a little bit different. It's, a, it's actually quite different, which is the irony there, is that everything is focused on what you're doing in the moment. So music doesn't have to interfere as, as often or as greatly as you would experience it with a traditionally controlled game with mouse and keyboard or a gamepad. So would definitely recommend checking that out. Um, it's essentially this whole news story, is, is this article is just, uh, for me, a shout out to the um, music that was produced for the Half-Life games, as well as Valve's Portal 2, Team Fortress 2, all those really great games that you find um, produced by Valve, or published by Valve, rather. Uh, and I would say take a listen if you're into more contemporary sort of electronic music because you're really going to get the best <laughs> uh, from Valve's Half-Life and Portal series. Um, but other than that, that is the news. Uh, nothing really too much other than that has changed. Um, I kind of already went over what I've been playing, which is a lot of Catherine. Uh, I essentially blew through that game uh, to, to essentially beat it. Uh, and, and the reason why is not because it was a chore or because I felt the need that I had to do so because I started it, but because it was a good game. Uh, so if you're interested in any sort of video games in general, or if you just really like the Japanese culture uh, and the impact it has on games, I would say Catherine is probably a really good choice for you if you have a PC or a PlayStation console. Uh, they also really do a knockout job on Persona which is another PlayStation exclusive that I would say you should probably play if you have a PlayStation. If you haven't, then shame on you because it's a fantastic game that you really can't miss out on in your lifetime. Uh, it's a long game. It's a very dense game, but it's something that I think really excels well. Um, recently, just to give you an idea, I watched an episode of like Seinfeld. And the episode was centered around um, George, which is one of the characters, trying to pitch an idea to a studio, like a, a like I guess like ABC or NBC or something, about a television show about nothing, and the show is essentially about people doing ordinary things, right? Like going to the store, going to get food, going out with friends, etc. Um, and that's kind of what the pleasure lies in and Catherine there's a lot of obviously gameplay elements to it it's a puzzle sort of game in a lot of ways uh, but it's really just about a guy who's meeting up with his friends every night at the bar and during this sort of social interaction he's approached by a woman 
who's a lot more attractive and a lot more, um, I guess you could say seductive, right? Uh, than the person that he's been in a relationship with for four or five years. And he gets caught up in it. And usually with games, it's Iran, Iraq, right? It's Al-Qaeda, it's, it's a modern military, or it's a sci-fi, it's really far out. You don't often get a game that's fairly unique like that. And what's interesting is that it's a unique game, but it's something that's a very common concept, which is a man in a relationship where he's hesitant, hesitant to marry, uh, and a woman comes into his life that's very young and attractive, and he feels the need to pursue that, or at least gets caught up in that. Uh, and it's a very casual idea, but it's pursued in a way that's very intelligent and elaborate. Uh, and I wish games did that more often. Uh, so if you're interested in something that's a lot more casual, but at the same time a little bit more thought-provoking, Catherine is the game for you. Um, so that the reason it reminded me of that Seinfeld episode is it kind of reminded me of the idea that I kind of wish there was a game where you could just sort of do whatever, if that makes sense. Uh, I play a lot of Red Dead Online, and essentially what that is is you know you do a lot of hunting for like deer and elk, right, and alligators and stuff, and then you bring that back to your business where you sell the materials from the animal skin. And, and teeth and everything and bone uh, to be broken down and sold to people who essentially manufacture that, that material into physical products for like home living and stuff, right? Uh, and it's a very contemporary sort of idea, right? It's a very capitalist sort of meta, uh, but it's something that's so enjoyable to do. I don't know. It just feels like it's, it's a grind for sure, but you, you sort of have a pleasure in, in doing these mundane tasks because it's something that you can just kind of do. You don't have to think too much while you do it. And that might be a product of your adulthood to being so focused and caught up with work and other things that you just want a game that's a little bit more easygoing. Well, I wish there was more games like that. And... In terms of online multiplayer, there's quite a few, right? You can grind forever with certain games. Uh, but narratively speaking, it's few and far between. So if you're looking for that type of experience, Catherine sort of delivered on that. Uh, and I'd recommend checking it out. Uh, but that'll essentially wrap it up for this episode. I know that they're, they're kind of far between these episodes, but I really do appreciate you guys sticking in and listening to my episodes each week. Um, what I'm trying to do is come up with better ideas for sort of what we're doing next with what is the what is a better product to release each week with these episodes. Um, so right now what we're doing is a um, typical sort of formula where we do go through the news and we go through what I'm playing and then some of my thoughts and some things. Um, I want to continue that going forward because obviously I want to keep people in the loop or at least give people my two cents on some of the news articles that have been coming out or the topics that they've been uh, bringing forward. But I want to kind of go into sort of, I wouldn't say streaming, uh, but most of the time what I'm doing on my time off is I'm actually just playing the games. 
uh, which is important because it sort of expands your sort of palette, right? So when you're doing these podcasts, you have more to talk about. Uh, but I really wish that I can actually play these games with people. And, and a lot of these games you can't. Um, so games like Catherine um, or Monster Hunter or whatever you take it. I just bought South Park or Mass Effect, which I've been playing quite a bit as well, replaying that series. It's not something you can play co-op. So I think that with people watching me, um, I think they'd get a good kick out of it. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm really a stand-up comedian, <laughs> you know, but uh, I do have quite a bit of fun playing these games, and I think that some of the commentary would be fairly entertaining. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start looking into that and uh, it may take some time. This isn't something that's going to be a while, but I think that streaming might be something a little bit more productive for my, both my audience and myself. Uh, so I'm going to start looking into that as well. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and give you guys updates on that too. This is a very, very independent one man show, right? So everything that I'm going through, I'm being completely honest with you, I barely edit. Uh, these podcasts because I want it to be very straightforward and just honest with everyone that's listening to me. So if you happen to be listening and you think like, oh, there's a little bit of an echo or, um, you know, maybe he could have cut this in that out or he's saying um or uh, uh, sometimes a little bit too often. The reason why is because I'm not really editing anything. Um, you know, if my dog goes crazy and barks, I might cut that out, right? Uh, but generally speaking... Uh, it's all just what you get. Um, so if you enjoy that, I really appreciate it. Uh, the idea is, is that I want to keep it that way. Of course, minimize the echo, but in general, keep it very intimate and personable because I want to feel like anyone that's listening to me is listening to me directly and not listening to a show. It's me talking to you. Us fellow gamers, as people who listen to podcasts and uh, want a higher insight into sort of things they may not perhaps understand quite too well. Uh, and that's what I'm doing. So it makes me really happy. It makes me really happy to know that there's people listening. So appreciate you guys. Um, hope that you've been enjoying the show. If you have any suggestions, you can definitely send a voice message. And of course, you can always request that it be anonymous. You don't actually get it produced on the show. I can always translate these into text. Uh, and what I'm going to be starting to do here is uh, releasing a, maybe an email of sorts that you guys can send out an email to uh, for questions that you don't have to send your voice into. Because of course, I understand that there's some people that have sort of hesitation with sending in their voice. Or their name or any sort of personal sort of information so I'm gonna get that ball rolling uh, but for now I did want to say thanks again for tuning in to Crimson Sky Media uh, this has been Kenny uh, this is now 1154 p.m. Arizona time I love you guys so much thanks again for tuning in I will catch you on the next episode but in the meantime we will absolutely meet again and you guys have a great rest of your day